want you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13 this morning. This morning we return to the passage that we began considering last week in which we observe that one of the ways we guard against false teaching is to follow our godly leaders. That's one of the ways that the passage before us addresses how to guard against false teaching. And I noted it last time, as you come to chapter 13 in the book of Hebrews, it, it might seem like a scattered number of topics, but really what's happening here is the, the writer is finishing this letter where he expresses his concern that, that the people of God's church pay attention to the Lord Jesus Christ, to who He is, the fact that He is better than all. And then as he wraps up this letter, just a few subjects, a few important topics that he wants to address in closing, that he wants to leave his readers with. And among them is this important issue, this important topic of false teaching and being on guard against it. I want you to review with me briefly from the beginning of chapter 13. In the first six verses of Hebrews 13, we saw a couple of weeks ago that in light of the fact that Jesus is better than all, we who trust in Him are to be a people who love others. The emphasis in chapter 13 begins with the idea of love. We are to love others. We are to love our spouse. And we are, are to learn not to love money. Learning to be content with what we have. Learn to love and be content is the message of verses 1-6. through six. And then we began looking at verses 7-14 through 14 last Sunday, and as we did, we saw here that we are being given instruction about this, this very important issue of false teaching and being on guard against false teaching and false teachers. And the key verse here is verse 9, which we will take a look at this morning as we look at verses 8-14. through 14. But note verse 9, it warns, "...do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings." Do not be led away. Be on guard. Now we've seen here in chapter 13 the writer of Hebrews getting very practical. Very practical in his final words of instruction in chapter 13. He's been dealing with how we who believe in Jesus are to live the Christian life by faith. A life of faith that is much like a long-distance race, a long-distance marathon, as we were told back in Hebrews 12.1, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, that race of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope set on and fixed on the One who is better than all. We are to run with endurance. Of course, being taught how to guard against false teaching is a needful thing for us that will help us run with endurance. We hear this from Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15, where he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Sometimes those who bring false teaching won't be so easy to recognize. They may come in sheep's clothing, but be on guard against false teaching and those who bring false teaching. And Paul warns in Romans 16, verses 17 and 18, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. 
and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Do not be, is the instruction from God's Word. Do not be the naive. Do not be those who, who do not read God's Word and understand what He has given us here. And God's church today is certainly at risk of that. God's church is at risk of all kinds of false teaching, being led away from the truths of God's Word, from outright heresy to the watering down and softening of the truths of the Gospel so as not to offend. And so this practical instruction is an absolute necessity for every church. This is an absolute necessity for the family life of this fellowship of believers that we be on guard against false teaching. It's an absolute necessity for your family and your family life and for you as an individual believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the reminder here for us is that this is necessary. It is practical. And Hebrews 13 shows us how to guard against false teaching And the writer does so by instructing us in three spiritual priorities. I gave you a cue about them last week. Three spiritual priorities. We saw the first of these three spiritual priorities last week that will guard us against false teaching. These three spiritual priorities can be summarized in three words. Follow, look, and keep. Follow the example of your godly leaders. Seen in verse 7, we dug into that last week, noting that a godly leader will be one who is preaching the Bible. Preaching God's Word. But not just that. And and maybe primarily this, that that he, he must get this first. The godly leader must dig into God's Word for himself. He must be ordering his life by the Bible. Ordering his own life by God's Word. Being changed equipped, shaped by it. Today we move on to verses 8-14 through where we're going to consider the second and third spiritual priorities that guard against false teaching. Secondly, we're going to see this in verses 8 and 9. We're to look to Jesus who never changes. Look to Jesus. He never changes. And then thirdly, in verses 10-14, through keep yourself for Christ. Look to Jesus who never changes, and keep yourself for Christ. So look for those things as we read in verses 7-14. through And I want you to follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read from the English Standard Version. Verse 7, Hebrews 13. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have been, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through His own blood. Therefore, let us go to Him outside the camp and bear the reproach He endured. 
For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. So we considered last time the first spiritual priority that is to guard us and guard this church and guard our families and our own lives from false teaching, which is found in verse 7. Follow your godly leaders. Remember, consider, imitate the biblical teaching, the godly living, and the growing life of your godly leaders. Growing faith is to be an example to you. Of course, not only does this mean that your pastor must be giving giving close attention to his teaching and living, not only does this mean that those who lead us as a church, our, our deacons, are to be giving close attention to their living in accordance to God's Word, but this means we are to be those who follow God closely, follow His Word closely, giving close attention to the way that we teach, the way that we live. We're to give close attention to to what we teach, absolutely, but we're to give even closer attention to our own lives. This is one of the spiritual priorities that God gives us here in the Bible for our own good so that we may not be deceived by false teaching. But then we come to the second spiritual priority, which is seen in verses 8 and 9, and this gives us someone even better to consider. Someone even better to imitate. The best person to imitate. Look to Jesus Christ who never changes, says verses 8 and 9. Look to Jesus Christ. Jesus, as better than all, is all we need. So the surest defense against false teaching is to fix our attention on Christ alone. Note how the writer shows us this by directing our attention to the unchangeable nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. It seems like such a simple statement, but it is a profound statement when you consider the culture in which we live that is shifting and changing as we speak. Jesus Christ is the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can can center your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. You should center your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. We should center our church and how we operate as a church on the Lord Jesus Christ, on what God's Word teaches us and reveals to us about the Lord Jesus Christ. We should center are living on Christ. So look to Jesus who has been and is and always will be the same. To look anywhere else for wisdom is foolishness. This too is why a godly leader will be pointing you to Christ. If he is not, he is not a godly leader. So here's the point. Earthly leaders will come and go. And false doctrine is always changing. But Jesus is always there. He is always the same. Verse 9 is a reminder that we guard our spiritual lives from false teaching. We guard our spiritual lives from being led astray into diverse and strange teaching by keeping our focus on Christ. Look at verse 9 again. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. 
For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Keep your focus on Christ. I'm reminded of a story I remember hearing my grandfather Pierpont share about about plowing a field and about planting crops. He had a very small farm in southeast Ohio in a hilly country there. and Yet, to keep rows straight, he would go out into his field and pick a point far off in the distance and fix his eyes on that point and drive to that point to keep his rows straight. I hear these days that that the farmers with really expensive hardware and computerized equipment can push a button and let the tractor go where where it follows the GPS. That's incredible. But we need to keep our focus on Christ as a church. We need to set a point off on the horizon. That point for us is as a believers, as a fellowship of believers, as individual believers, as a families that, that are led to Christ, to, to set the point on the horizon at Christ and fix our attention on His Word given to us. And what the writer seems to have in mind here when he talks about not being led away by diverse and strange teachings are the strange and diverse teachings that his readers were likely dealing with at that time that tempted them to return to that old ceremonial system that Jesus fulfilled and replaced. And in this day, there's no shortage of diverse and strange teachings which depart from the Bible and depart from Christ and draw us away from following Christ. And though there are many who can be and are fooled by false teaching, we could be among them. We might look at those who are drawn away and tempted and say, how did that happen? I could, I could never do that. Be careful. Be on guard. Jesus never changes. And His Word and the doctrine contained within is unified and never changes. That's why we need to be people of the book. That's why I constantly encourage you, bring your Bible. We need to be in the habit and the practice of having our Bibles in our hands, opening them before our hearts and minds, reading them for ourselves so we know what God's Word says so that we will have our truth detector tuned. And we will know when we are hearing false teaching because we know God's Word. We know Christ. So we're to be on guard by looking to Jesus who never changes because error can enter our lives when we allow anything or anyone to take the place of devotion to Christ and His Word. Be careful about letting anything, even even things that seem good, to take the place of your devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Parents, your children are important. Your God, your God has seen fit to entrust into your care children who need to be raised for His honor and glory, but they are not your primary focus. The Lord Jesus Christ is. And your parenting will be well equipped if you will keep your focus on Christ. Husbands and wives, your spouse has been entrusted to you for your care to provide for, to encourage, to love. And as we've been going through this series of studies in our Sunday school hour for for love and respect, this is such a, a powerful reminder. But they're not the main thing in your life. You need to remember that the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing to keep centered in your life, to, to vote yourself to. 
We're to guard this church. We're to guard our families and our lives from false teaching by looking to Jesus, who is, as the writer of Hebrews has been saying again and again, who is better than all. Do not look anywhere other than to Christ. And this leads us to a third spiritual priority that will guard us from false teaching and will help us keep the focus on Christ. Thirdly, keep yourself for Christ. Keep yourself for Christ. The key phrase here in verses 10 through 14 is seen in verse 13. Look at verse 13 again. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. Keeping yourself for Christ means being willing to give your all to Him. Being willing even to suffer for the sake of His Gospel. It means having the right perspective that even when we come to a time of worship in our service as we did this morning when we give, and we say we give our tithes and our offerings, there are things that we didn't give. And those too should still be given to God for His honor and His glory in service to Him in the way that we keep them, in the way that we use them, in the way that we invest them. Keeping yourself for Christ means being willing to give your all to Him. Being willing even to suffer for the sake of His Gospel. That's what verse 13 emphasizes. And this is really the truth all the way back to verses 5 and 6. Go back to verses 5 and 6. We were challenged there to learn to be content with what we have. Be content. Keep your life free from the love of money, says verse 5. And be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I will never leave you or forsake you. So... Verse 6, so we can confidently say, because of what we know about Jesus Christ and who He is as better than all, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Think of that. What can happen to you in light of all eternity? What can man do to you in light of all eternity in heaven's terms, in God's terms? There's a reminder here, of course, just as we read those verses in verses 5 and 6 and in verse 13 again, there's a reminder here, just as we've heard elsewhere in our studies in Hebrews, that the Christian life is not going to be an easy one. Be on guard against thinking that being a follower of Christ is easy. But it's, it's one that He will help you in. He will help you through. For those who trust in Jesus Christ, difficulty and hardships await. But we have God's promise. You have your Creator's promise of help. You have the One who sent His Son to live a sinless life and then die a cruel death He did not deserve so that you can be forgiven your sins. You have a God who cares that much. The Lord is your Helper, so do not fear what man can do to you and give Jesus all of yourself. Give Him your all. Give Him all of you. Give Him your life. Give Him your spouse. Give Him your children. Give Him your family. Give Him your job. 
that work that you're going to go back to tomorrow morning, yes, you're going back to work tomorrow, do it wholeheartedly for the Lord. Do it for His glory. It is the work that He has given you to provide for your needs and provide for your family, but it's also the mission field in which He has placed you. We have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God to help us give Him our all. To give Him all of us. All of ourselves. Our whole life. And as we noted in verse 7, we also have godly leaders to follow. Our godly leaders should be, follow, should be leading us in this direction. They, they should be individuals that we can follow as they give their all to Christ. But above our leaders, at the head of the church, we have the example of Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Though our leaders may struggle as we do, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So our faith should center on the person and work of Jesus Christ, who for our sake endured death on the cross. That's the example that's being illustrated for us in verses 10-12. through Now these verses may seem a bit hard to understand at first, but I think it helps to consider that the writer is making the point here that Jesus Christ is better than the Jewish sacrificial system because He fulfilled it. He replaced it. He nullified the need for that old sacrificial system. And what he's pointing to here by way of illustration is that while there were certain animal sacrifices that the worshipers were permitted to eat, there were other sacrifices. There were other animal sacrifices, certain sin offerings, which were never to be eaten. But those were taken outside the camp to be completely burned, consumed by fire. And that's what the writer is reminding us Jesus fulfilled. Giving us this powerful example seen in verse 12 where he says, So Jesus... Look at it. Look at verse 12. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to... And we can praise God for this. In order to sanctify the people through His own blood. The Lord Jesus Christ shed His blood that we might be sanctified, set apart before God. Praise God. Praise God for the Lord Jesus Christ. Of, of all that we have to be thankful for, especially as we remember Thanksgiving this time of year, we're, we're kind of put on high alert to be thanksgivers. I hope that passages like this put you on high alert 365 days a year to be thanksgivers to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through His own blood, His shed blood for us, the sinless Son of God for us, filthy, rotten sinners. Praise God for His mercy and grace. And the point the writer is making here is that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of that sin offering. Jesus is the true sin offering once for all, who gave Himself for our sins so that we might be forgiven 
Praise God. So that we might be saved eternally. Praise God. Saved from God's just wrath. He is just in His wrath. He is just in the punishment that He delivers. And yet, through Christ, we are saved, sanctified, spared what we deserve for our sins. Jesus is the sacrifice that we must trust in. And when we trust in Him, He cleanses us from all our sins. So, when verse 10 says that we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, the point is that Jesus is that altar. Jesus is that altar through His death on the cross. And spiritually, we don't have a right to eat there because we're sinners. But yet, God looks at His Son and says, worthy are those people who trust in My Son. To eat at the altar of My Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through His death on the cross. And spiritually, we now feed on Him. Spiritually, we feed on Him. We find life and breath and we are spiritually sustained through Christ and His work for us and in us through God, the Holy Spirit, and in His Word, the Bible. And so the implication here is to keep yourself for Christ. Devote your life to Christ. No matter what you do vocationally, make it your devotion to honor Christ with what you do. Don't give your life to anyone or anything else. And this is calling you to be willing to give all that He requires of you. Seek to serve Him. Seek to honor Him with your whole life. He has blessed you with a life to be lived for His glory. With your whole life, with all your strength, with every area of your life, He has blessed you with a life to be lived for His glory, for His honor, for His praise, so that others may, might see clearly who He is and trust in His Son. So keep yourself for Christ. That's what we hear in verse 13. Therefore, let us go to Him outside the camp and bear the reproach He endured. Be willing to identify your life with Christ by accepting that scorn and ridicule that He received. That's not easy, is it? Even considering that isn't easy, considering that we may lose some of this world's earthly goods, considering that we may face persecution for our faith in Christ, and because we believe that God's Word is authoritative and so we've committed ourselves to obeying the Bible, that can be scary. So considering what it may cost you in earthly terms, how do you keep yourself for Christ? And thankfully, God's Word has an answer for that. Verse 14. Note verse 14. It tells you to look to your eternal city. Look to your heavenly, eternal home. Consider your eternal blessings. There are blessings here and now, but they are temporary. But you have eternal blessings that await you. Look at verse 14 again. For here we have no lasting city. Here and now, we have no lasting city. But we seek the city that is to come. 
And so the challenge and the hardship in this life of bearing the scorn and persecution for your faith in Christ is made more bearable when you remember that the world that casts you aside as foolish is only a temporary home. We ought not cast aside the world. We're to be in the world. And we're to be heavenly good in the world as believers and followers of Christ. But this is not where we store up all of our hopes and dreams. Matthew 6.20 instructs us, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Colossians 3.1 encourages you that if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. If you've been raised with Christ, if you've been forgiven your sins through faith in Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is. And don't forget, He's seated at the right hand of God. Of course, what makes bearing the reproach of Christ more difficult for us is that we're too often fixed on what we might lose this side of heaven. We get fixated on what might I lose if I follow God's Word, if I focus my life on Christ, if I center my life on living for Christ. What might I lose? We tend to think too much about what we might lose and not enough on what we cannot lose, what cannot be taken away. Consider that. As Romans 8.6 warns us, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Do you want to know life and peace? Fix your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Center your life on Him. Fix your eyes on Him so you are to set your heart on your eternal home with Christ and you are to seek after and set your hearts on the permanent things reserved for you in glory. Do not lose sight of that. That while God has you here to serve Him for His glory and for your good, do not lose sight of your eternal possessions that you cannot lose. Doing so will help you live this life here and now. Doing so will help you know the joy and contentment, the life and peace that only He can give as we walk by faith and not by sight. God will help you live the life that He has entrusted to you. So let's remember the instruction of God's Word in Ephesians 5. I love verses 15 and 16 in Ephesians 5. They, they instruct us to pay attention to our spiritual lives. Do not take lightly the importance of paying attention to your spiritual life. Look carefully then how you walk. Are you walking by faith? Is the, is the cry of Hebrews, are you keeping your eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ who is better than all? Look carefully, says Ephesians 5.15, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Guard yourself against false teaching because the days are evil. Make the best use of the time. It is a wise investment to put yourself in God's Word daily. It is a wise investment to yield before the Lord, to kneel before God in prayer daily, giving Him your day, giving Him your life. And let's be diligent to follow the instruction. 
that we find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 and 22 says, test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Test everything. How do you test? Be a student of the Word. Be a reader of God's Word. Know what God's Word says. He has given us the Bible. He has given us His Word. He has not left us without hope and strength and encouragement and instruction found in His Word. And your truth tester will be well-shaped, well-formed, well-equipped for you to abstain from every form of evil. And you can do this by following the example of your godly leaders, by looking to Jesus Christ who never changes, by keeping yourself for Christ. May we be a church. May we be a people who honor God in this way as we follow the instruction of Hebrews 13 for our good and absolutely for God's glory in this community, in the world around us, and in our own families, and in this family, the body of Christ, the church.